Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by America's Choice Windows, where you'll get 10 windows for just $36.80. Talk with uh, Brianna. Welcome to Texas Home Brianna. Brianna, I'm sorry. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is the correct topic or not, but I was wanting to know if you had any uh, thoughts on uh, putting solar panels on your home, purchasing them. Absolutely. And it is a good topic. I, I, I do talk solar panels periodically. Uh, my issue with solar panels, and I don't have an issue with how they work. I, I like solar panels, and quite frankly, I would love to have some on my house. The problem is when I run the math, it doesn't make money sense. It doesn't produce enough energy to offset the cost soon enough for what it costs to put them in. Um, typically, when you run the, the true numbers, if you just outright buy a system, you're looking at a 20 to 25-year payback for that system to pay for itself in energy savings. Now, at different periods of times, you can get some government rebates, and uh, power company rebates, things like that, they can drastically shorten up that time frame. But uh, without those rebates, solar power drops dead. Okay. Well, yeah, they were offering, I, I think uh, the government rebate um, was going to take up about $11,000 of the cost. Um, and then uh, they were going to set us up for... Um, for the monthly payments, and they said that uh, instead of paying the electric bill, we would just be paying for the the loan for the panels. Sure. And that our electric bill would would go down drastically, and that at some point that maybe we would actually get money back from the electricity provider. Right. If you're if you're generating more than you're using. In most areas, the power company has to buy that power back from you and, you know, redistribute it. So can I be nosy and ask you how much are you having to pay for the panels and how much power will they generate? Well, I don't know if I can answer how much power will they generate, but um, after the rebate, I guess it's going to cost us about uh, 27000 And they said that it would add equity to to our home it won't um so it will not no ma'am okay. because there's there's enough people that that's a sales gimmick that uh it it there is nothing that we do to any of our homes whether you're changing siding putting in a swimming pool putting a new roof on none of that stuff ever adds enough to the house that it builds equity to it, what it does is it may make a house easier to sell or in some cases more difficult to sell uh, but you know even replacing a roof or putting siding on siding changing out your siding for like james hardy siding for a cement type siding is the number one improvement project to gain value on your home and even it only generates like 85 percent mm -hmm. Uh, so now, so but, the way uh, they the way they approached it was that instead of us paying for the electric company provider 
sure. uh, we would be paying that money towards an investment in right. our own property. But let me ask you a question. How much does your power run you a month? Uh, well, we're on the average billing, so it runs uh, probably average about $200 a month. Okay. And then and then the the payment for the solar panels would be about $180 a month. They are not going to save you enough on energy bills to to pay that 180. It, it it will cost you money out of your pocket. And let's let's just say that it covered 100% of it. So $200 a month into that 27,000 is 135 months. Okay. So you're talking 11, a little over 11 years for it to pay for itself. I love solar panels. I would love to have them on my house. And if the, if the numbers don't bother you, by all means, put it on. Because it, it will work well for you. I, I, I would never tell you it won't. Uh, but don't let somebody talk you into the numbers making sense because they don't. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate the information and now, you taking I, I, my call. I will tell you one more thing. If you turn them down the first time, they will more than likely come back to you with a better deal. I see. Okay. All right. Good to know. Okay. Thank you, ma'am. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. And just FYI, when you call in and ask, do I have an opinion on something? Anybody who knows me very long knows I pretty much have an opinion on everything. That's just, just the way I am. Let's see here. Adrian, this is Jim. How can I help you? Yeah, Jim, I have a question about uh, vinyl siding. Okay. My house is, uh, has vinyl siding on it, a uh, color that I'm kind of tired of. Is it something that can be painted and successfully or not? They do make some paints that you can put on vinyl siding. If you use just a regular household paint, it will typically peel off pretty easily. But you, you, they do make some paints specifically for vinyl siding that bond with it better. Okay. All right. Well, I sure you do. Got thank the, you. you got the old lime green? No, actually, it's country blue. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> I, I I understand. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, Jim. Thank you. Take care. All right, bye. Bye. Yeah, I, I, and yeah, I should have said this. You're not going to find it typically at the box stores, so don't go to Lowe's or Home Depot. Go to a regular paint store. Go to a Sherwin Williams, a Kelly Moore, uh, you know, one of those type of stores, and they sh they will have paints for the vinyl that will help you out. Hello, Mark. How are you today? Hey, good, good. Hey, so I've got an, uh, an issue going on in my garage. Um, any tools, uh, paint cans, those sorts of things are forming uh, some sort of uh, surface rust. Yep. And um, I, I've been in the house for about a year and a half. Um, this has been happening. It's driving me crazy. Um, you know, the last couple of houses I've had, I've done a lot of stuff in my garage and, and never seen this before. Um, any ideas? You're getting too much humidity in this particular garage. And it can be that you got moisture coming up, you know, through the slab. Uh, it could be just the direction that it's facing, getting getting uh, the winds blow in with more humidity than you had before. 
it can be any number of things. Honestly, the easiest fix for it is to simply put a dehumidifier in there. One, one other thought. Um, this is the first garage I've had where the hot water heaters are, are in the garage or yep. just, just up in the garage. Is, is that contributing? It, it definitely can, yes. All right. Well, thank you. You bet. Take care. Uh, but, yeah, if you're going to store a lot of uh, metals and stuff in the garage, your tools and all that, dehumidifiers do a wonderful job of uh, controlling the rust on your tools. Catherine, this is Jim. Welcome to KTRH. How can I help you? Yes, sir. Um, I was listening to the guy earlier that had um, the problem with moisture in his garage. Well, yes. after the flood and, and everything else, um, a lot of my tools have rusted. Is there any way of getting them cleaned off? They actually do make some tool cleaners that you can use on the metal, like hand saws and, you know, crescent wrenches and different things like that. It, uh, is that what you're talking about, the, the blades? Yeah. and Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But I, I will tell you one of the best cleaners I have found. You're going to laugh at this. Uh-oh. Use Coca-Cola. Okay. To clean them up. And then give them a good spray down with WD-40. Okay. That sounds now like the, a winner. What the Coca-Cola does is it eats all that rust and stuff off of it. And when I say a good spray down, I don't mean douse it where it's running off. Just mist, you know, where you get a good coating over the metal. Mm -hmm. And that seals the moisture from going back onto that steel again. Awesome. Yes, sir. Thank you. You're welcome. We're going out to Sureland. Hello, Andy. Hey. So you had a woman who called before about touching up and her tools that had rusted. And yes. I keep I keep a five-gallon bucket filled with sand and used motor oil. And you just stab the shovel in there, the saw or whatever you need a couple of times, and it rubs out all the rust and dirt and coats it with a nice layer of oil so they're not rusty and oh, clean yeah. and ready to go. Very good. Yeah, and that'll that'll put a an even layer on it then. Yep, it scratches all the mud and stuff like that off easily. Okay. And That's it counts a great as recycling. Idea. Yep. Okay. All right. Thanks. Well, I appreciate that. Okay. Bye-bye. I'll, I'll have to give that one a try myself. I've, I've not, it, not tried it, that yet, but it makes sense. It works. Yeah, see, even I can learn stuff on the show here. Love it when people call in and and give me good ideas like that. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Catherine. Yes. How can I help you? Um, my house is 40 years old, and it has a sunken living room. It's about six inches sunken, and I would like to level it up to where it's the same level as the rest of the house. And I was okay. thinking about just filling it with concrete. There you go. And does That'll... how long does it have to cure before you can put a floor on top or put your furniture back in there? Uh, what kind of flooring do you want to put down? Uh, vinyl uh, planks. Okay. To put vinyl planks, you're realistically going to want to let it cure for at least a couple weeks. Uh, as far as being able to walk on it, put furniture and stuff, you can put do that all the next day after you pour the concrete. The, oh, okay. the issue is it's going to be releasing a lot of uh, moisture for the first 
you know, week or two as as the concrete sets up and dries. But it's it's literally hard overnight. Oh, okay. Okay. It's just I don't I don't want you to glue that plank floor down right away because the glue just won't adhere well until that concrete's had some time to to cure out. Well, somebody said I needed to use a floating floor because of that. Well, if you want to go down with the floor right away, yeah, you could use a floating floor. If you're going to put a wood floor down, I would tell you to use a floating floor. But plank, the vinyl plank is typically glued down. Oh, okay. And... uh, but uh, like I said, the the concrete normally, if if this was an outside pour, I'd tell you, you know, three four weeks for it to finish curing out and drying good. But because this is inside, you're going to have the air conditioner going. It's going to uh, dry out quicker than if oh, it was okay. outside. And so I I think if you just wait a couple weeks, you'll be good to go. All right. Thank you very much. You bet, Catherine. Take care. And, and, you know, a lot of times I get calls, and, and I, I know I'm going to jump back on the calls here in just a second, but that sunken living room, typically when the house gets around 20 years old or so, those sunken living rooms start letting moisture in. And if you want to get rid of the moisture issues, get rid of all the headaches of going up and down that step and all that, fill them in with concrete. The biggest question I get from people on that is, well, isn't that going to add too much weight? No, don't worry about it. It's spread out over the large area. The soil won't even notice that weight that you're adding. It's no big deal. I'm going to lead off with some email questions because I had one that came in as a follow-up from last week's show. It's regarding 10-year warranties on foundations. Um, I last Saturday broadcast. I listened to you on Saturdays, uh, and I listened on Saturday, November 3rd, about foundation guarantees in Texas. We found this to be an expensive myth. I'd like to reply our experience and plead with you for assistance. We bought our house in Lakes, I'm not in Prosper, in 2015. The house was built in 2013. In July of this year, we had house on the market and lost a sale due to faulty foundation discovered in an inspection. I'll try to summarize what really happened. We filed a claim with the home builders insurance company to start procedure. They sent out their engineer to do an inspection and report to the insurance company. They claim no liability. We hired an engineer who disputes the conclusion of the first report. The insurance company still refuses liability. We consult an attorney who advises us that we can write a letter for about $300, but these builders have pages of people suing and have protected themselves with legalized and no assets. So after losing thousands of dollars, we're getting estimates to recommend peer repair. The house is still on the market, a house that we have reduced price several times and is labeled with a big red F for foundation failure. So goes your claim of a 10-year warranty. Please advise. It is not a 10-year warranty that I'm telling you the foundation has. What I'm telling you is most of the time when you go into court, the state of Texas says you can expect that that foundation should last at least 10 years. 
and therefore the builder ends up being on the hook. The attorney you have needs to be replaced. If he's telling you, oh, they've got all these things going on, sure they do. I want you to think about it. They build thousands and thousands of houses a year in the state of Texas right now. Tens of thousands, probably even hundreds of thousands. And do you think they got some lawsuits going? Absolutely. You don't do that kind of business without having some issues going. But here's what happens. You're not going, you're not dealing with the builder. You're dealing with the builder's insurance company. They don't want to walk in the courtroom. They want to delay you as long as they can, and then they want to settle with you for as little as they can. They know they have liability here. Your attorney has to have a big enough set of cojones to go up to them and say, this is what it needs, this is what we're going after, and this is what you're going to pay to get this house fixed. And if they don't, get a different attorney. There is nothing wrong with attorney shopping. You shop car dealerships, you shop for appliances, shop for the right attorney. And it does take a special attorney. There are uh, uh, attorneys who specialize in doing just these kind of cases. So by all means, don't just accept it because one attorney said, oh, they've got a lot of these things. I, I believe they do. I, I, I'm not going to quarrel with you on that. But I also know, because I've been in the foundation repair business for 40 years, I'm on the repair end of these deals. I have to testify on these deals. I've yet to see somebody with a house that's 10 years old or newer lose when there is truly a foundation issue. Now, and I say it that way because just because an inspector said you have an issue doesn't necessarily mean that you have an issue. Now, you've already had, and that's for everybody else listening, you've had two engineers look at it, and both of them, I guess, agree that there is an issue. It's just a, a disagreement of what's causing the issue. And for everybody who's thinking about building a home, this is exactly why you do a soils test on the property where you're going to build the home. What happens in large neighborhoods, they only do so many soil tests per acre. And I can tell you, even from a residential lot, from one side of the lot to the other, the soils can change. So if you're getting ready to build a home, do a soils test on your property. Regardless of what the builder has done in the neighborhood, I'm on the receiving end of the checks when the repair is done. Get that soils test. It's a heck of a lot cheaper than hiring me in the long run. This one just came in again while we were talking about stuff. Hi, Jim. Great show as always. I'm working, so can't call. I'm looking to buy a property, and there's already an existing slab on site for a home. It's been there for about 10 years, and they have not built. The top layer seems hollow in many areas, and other areas are crumbling on top. Where it's crumbled, you can see the aggregate. Is this something that can be repaired, or should I negotiate for having it removed? I'd like to use it, but I'm fearful of building on it. Thanks for your insights. This comes from Kyle in Hudson Oaks. And Kyle, you could take a look at building on it, but here's the issue. 
unless you can find somebody who knows exactly what's there. In other words, does the city still have the blueprints for what was put in? Was it inspected and green tagged? Because it sounds like it's got an issue in the concrete strength. And if I was going to build on it, probably the first thing I would do is have it cored and the concrete tested to make sure it's 3,000 PSI and that the aggregate and everything was done right. Because for it to be spalding on the top, and that's what it's called when the surface starts coming off, it tells me there's an issue with it. And a lot of times that issue is somebody added too much water when the concrete was poured and or when they were doing the finishing they sprayed a bunch of water on the top to bring the cream up and it makes it look gorgeous while you're doing it but if that concrete's exposed a, a year or two later the surface starts chipping off and it's a problem and in order to fix it what you would literally have to do if the concrete is good and you can get the plans showing that you know it was inspected and, and everything was put in properly your sample works out. Everything's great. Let's just make that assumption now. The repair for this is going to be you got to chip off all that surface and you, and float it smooth again. It, it's really not that difficult. You do have one other option that you could take a look at, and that's chipping that surface off and pouring another surface over the top of it. And that actually could be done minimum minimum of two inches of concrete. Now a lot of times people will try to go with less than that. It will break over time. So go with a minimum of two inches if you want to cap it. But I'm going to be honest with you. Given what you described to me here, where the surface is crumbling and, and all that kind of stuff, if it was me, I would tear the darn thing out and put a new one in. Quite honestly, you're building a house to last for years to come, why do you want to shortcut it on the foundation? One of the items, and I'm not going to say it can't be replaced, but one of the items that is the most difficult thing in the house to replace, if it ever has to be. And, it, and the reason for that concrete test, if it's not strong enough, it will have to be replaced at some point in time. And just an FYI, what, what you have to do if you end up replacing one that's existing that way, you literally put cleats on the outside of the home, lift the entire structure up off the concrete slab, jackhammer it out, set forms, pour a new one, and set the house back down on it. All to save a couple hundred bucks now. You can spend thousands later. Let's fix it right. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.